Welcome to Fantasy Watch, not the only show bringing you fantasy news for the Overwatch League, but one of the top two, my dudes. My name is Invictus, and I am here with my homie Abnerd. What is up, dude? Not a whole lot. Just hanging out, enjoying life. How's your week been? Man, I've been rocking and rolling. I've been enjoying the Overwatch League matchups that we had this week. This week might have been the littest week of all of Overwatch. Like, not just Overwatch League, but like the matches are close. They were tight. It was hype. It was more than Apex. It was more than like the previous pit, more than contenders. Like, these were some of the best games I've ever witnessed in my life. And it was so sick. Not quite as good as E League, but like, dude, it was lit. This week was fantastic for esports. Whether or not you like to watch StarCraft 2, CSGO, Overwatch League, this weekend was the weekend to watch esports. Oh, yeah, dude. Overwatch had some of the closest matches I've ever seen. If you didn't watch E-League, if you don't even watch, I've, I've followed Counter-Strike for a long time. I grew up playing 1.6 and stuff, so like that was super lit and really enjoyable. If you just want to experience and watch some really good esports, I would go back and watch the phase versus Cloud9, but like we'll put that aside for now, and let's just talk Overwatch. But like this week's Overwatch matchup saw like what seemed like half a dozen um five game matchups going into the fifth matches for overtime um and just some really good play from some teams we saw the dragons pick up their pace of play they played really well uh we saw um the misfits or sorry the uh misfits of mayhem starting to pick up and get a little bit more synergy even though they will they didn't look great all the time i think that they did great gain some ground so i'm really excited about the future again we're just seeing the overwatch league being more competitive than i think any of us could have imagined and i think what's more important to notate here more than anything else that happened this weekend it's the fact that i was the highest scorer in both my leagues so i mean that's pretty groundbreaking right there I don't know if that's necessarily groundbreaking so much as it is an anomaly, but I hope that I hope that it happens for my 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 care for you as my friend. I hope that it happens again. But somebody who participates in leagues with you, I hope it never happens again. And I hope I get that blessing. Like we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Swing. <laughs> No, it was a good week all around. I really, really enjoyed watching the games. In fact, uh, most of them I didn't actually even get to watch live. So I've been able to, uh, you know, just feed on this stuff um, on the way to and from work on my breaks, watching these VODs. Even though I know the outcome, they're still as awesome to watch, you know, after the fact. So it's been a fantastic week for Overwatch. What sucks is I literally got to, I was, I was lucky enough that I was able to watch almost every single matchup live, 100% except for the outlaws matchup and it was like 
heartbreaking to not be able to watch it. And then their Discord gave me the results before I could go watch because uh, I was like, hi, spoilers. I was like, no, Monica. But life happens. What, what about the fact that, you know, this week uh, we had more than just Tracer mains in the top 10 for points on fantasy? Oh, yeah. And I, I won't get into that a little bit later when we get to the new Winston's Lab, but I think that was one of the best parts. And I find myself getting even more hype now watching my players and trying to, like, compete and checking my scores and, you know, knowing who has to score what for me to be in a good position has just been getting me super excited to watch every matchup, not just the one for the Outlaws, who's my team up the ante. <laughs> For sure. Well, uh, you know, let's look at the things that we're going to be talking about this week. We're going to start with those Winston Lab changes that we just alluded to. From there, we'll talk about our week in fantasy, which I already gave you a sneak peek into for me. Uh, we'll look at, uh, you know, our uh, week three highlights as far as top players for support, tank, and DPS. And then we'll go with our usual week four uh, lineup and what's going to be happening there. Absolutely. And I... Our week in fantasy is going to be a doozy because I know we both had some varying results, if you will. Um, but we'll jump right into Winston's lab. Um, so before we kind of like go over everything, I'm going to go over what the old rules were. And then Abner will start with the offense and flex for the new rules. So uh, as Winston's lab started, they, they're using optical recognition. So they're pulling all the information they get off of the kill feed. Um, or what they can basically see all of the time. So not like we don't get the damage, we don't get the detailed numbers, the fi- the eliminations, we're only getting who gets the final blow, stuff like that, okay? So the old scoring, you get two points per kill, you lose one point for each death, you get a point for each time your hero gets an ultimate, your player gets an ultimate, ultimate and you get three points each time your player gets a first kill in a team fight so if you get the first kill that's three points now if you give the person who gets the first death you lose two points okay and so those are the scoring points now as everybody's kind of talked about and known that's kind of a disparity because it makes it so that dps players are so much higher like we kind of hinted at earlier than all the tanks and the supports making kind of support and tanks second class heroes or players if you will um, so Winston's lab with feedback from a lot of people, including us and then some of our friends and things like that. So, all right, well, let's try to rework this system. So they kind of scaled the points around a little bit to try to balance it so that supports and tanks are close, if not as valuable as, uh, some of the DPS players. So Abner, why don't you jump right in and talk to us about the first changes that they made to offense and flex players. For sure. So a lot of this stuff is still going to stay the same. So we got two points for a kill, minus one point for a death, plus one point for getting that ultimate. Here's the big change. Uh, You're going to get plus two points for a first kill in a team fight instead of the plus three. And then you will still get that minus two for suffering a first death in a team fight. So not a lot of changes here in the offense or flex, mainly just around that first kill. But uh, no, definitely something that's going to tone back, you know, the uh, the huge benefit that you get for having those tracer mains. So uh, that'll kind of lead us right into tanks. What do you got for tanks? Uh, before I do that, I'll let you go over tanks, but I'm going to just kind of give my analysis on the, on the, the roles here. Because I think that one of the big things, like you said, was the first kill changes. And that's pretty balanced because realistically, the DPS should be getting you your first kill. 
right? So if the DPS player gets you the first kill, that's kind of their job. You don't want to give them too many points for that compared to what you give the other people. And then with the just like with the first death, if your DPS dies first, it's probably because they were making a mistake. Maybe they're out, they didn't have good positioning, or maybe they just got straight up outplayed Widow v. Widow, something like that. And that's okay, but you don't want to like give them even points for for the for the first kill and first death. So or you don't want to sorry make it uneven points. Having it even points makes it so that the players are going to kind of be a little bit more balanced and you're not going to see a huge disparity with the Tracer players, the Widow players and stuff like that who get all of the first kills for a team or often get all of the first kills or a lot of them compared to somebody who's like, yeah, maybe they're doing great. Maybe they have way more kills as Soldier 76 um, or way more eliminations as 76, but they're not going to get the benefit of getting that Widow first pick. Um now, why don't you tell me about the tanks, Abner? For sure. So, tanks, we're still going to be getting minus one point for a death, uh, plus two points for a kill. Big change for the tanks. Since they are going to take a little bit longer to uh, charge up on on average, we're going to get plus three points for getting an ultimate. And then if you are going to be that tank that's diving in and cleaning up the kills from you know your Tracer or your Genji, you're going to get plus four points for getting your first kill in a team fight. So, you know, definitely some big points to be had for you know your Winston players that are going to be able to clean that up. And then uh, we'll actually have just uh, minus one point for the uh, first death in a team fight. So, what do you got to kind of say about that, Invictus? First, the first the the only one point subtracted for the first death is huge because. You don't want to punish the Winston. And in a different meta, maybe these changes wouldn't be as necessary. But the way that Winston works where he's jumping in, you don't want to punish him for doing his job if he gets caught off guard or if he gets jumped on or everybody focus him. That's kind of what he does. That's what happens. And if you look at some teams, they often lose their Winston and then they just res them and they continue the team fight and they'll win the team fight sometimes. Uh, you look at uh, teams like NYXL who were winning almost 50% of the fights where they lost somebody first, which is almost unheard of and way higher of an average than anybody else in the league, but it's still very impressive and something to consider. And then the first kill is also just as good because when you see a Winston diving, which is predominantly the uh, the meta we're seeing right now with dive, the Winston dives in with the tracers, with the Genjis and stuff like that, and often the the DPS players are going to get the the final blows. Like I said, what matters for Winston's lab right now is just what we see in the kill feed or what we can view on the screen. So, you know. Those final blows are what counts, not the eliminations. And so if a Winston player is often the one who's able to vulture those kills or if they're able to pull those, you deserve a little bit more points because it's harder for the Winston to do it or it should be theoretically harder for the Winston to do it than it is the Tracer or the Genji. Um, and even harder for the next group of people that we're going to talk about, which are going to be the supports. I think uh, the the easiest thing to say about this tank uh, change is that TLDR. If you have Fraggy, you just got a buff. Yeah, that <laughs> as oh, Fraggy's. Ahead, oh, I was gonna say Fraggy's definitely one because of the way that he he tended to die first um, because he is so aggressive. Um, but that gets him kills and that also gets him quick ultimates because he's doing a lot of damage. Definitely, no. Fraggy is certainly a viable Winston to pick up at this point. 
Um, but that'll bring us right into supports, where supports are going to get plus three points for a kill, minus one for a death, and then plus three points for getting an ultimate. So, I mean, we've talked about it a whole bunch, and I think it shows through in the uh, fantasy points this week. But uh, if you have a solid fragging Zenyatta on your roster, you're going to be racking up a lot of points. Yeah, the Zenyatas are going to get you a ton of points just based off of possible, well, not all, but some Zenyatas who have that damage. So you're, you're looking at the Jonax, the Jayhawks, Rockus, things like that, um, who are getting a lot of those first kills. The heavy damage, heavy right click using support players are really going to clean up in this system. The other thing is for the first time in, in fantasy, um, fantasy Overwatch is that Lucio's and Mercy's and Anna's actually have some value here. If a Mercy, just by getting ultimate, is going to get the three points, and then she gets one and a half points per res, um, most Mercies are going to get off two reses, but even if they only get off one, you're still getting four and a half points for that. If you get off both, it's six-point play just for getting your ult and using it. So that's that's definitely going to be enough points to kind of keep you going. And we saw this week that there were some Mercies who were in the top 10, top 15 um, for your fantasy team because they were able to get those, especially on map sets that maybe went to four or five or five maps Um so things to look at is now, if you have a Zen Mercy main player on your team, you don't have to worry like, hmm, should I play them based on the map set? Are they going to play Mercy this game? Because if they do, I'm screwed. That's not the case anymore. So I, I think this, the tank changes are great or good, but the changes to the support, I think, are what's really going to bring balance to the fantasy system. Um what we'll talk about in the future though just for everybody's knowledge is when we go over rankings and player scores and everything like that is going to default to the new system so the fantasy watch league has changed over as well as a couple of the other leagues i'm in so we'll be using the new scoring system so when we talk about stuff generally speaking unless otherwise noted it'll be based off of the new scoring now if we're talking about our expert league which is a league that has a bunch of other podcasters and fantasy know-how people in it, that league is going to maintain the old scoring system. Exactly. Now, um, I'm actually very pleased with the changes. Um, as someone who was somewhat disappointed in the fact that you were just minimizing liability based on your support picks, um, I think they've done a good job of not overtuning it because I think it would be very easy to adjust some of these numbers to the point where uh, supports would just either end up similarly to where they are right now, where they're just liabilities, or where they could just be earning you entirely too many points. So definitely hats off to the people over there at Winston's Lab making sure that this was a uh, correctly tuned adjustment to the point. Yeah, I, mean, I think it might still have work, but I think that it's definitely a much more functional system. When you look at the actual player rankings for where people were this week and where heroes were and kind of the breakdown of roles, it's actually really solid. So, I mean, in the top five, you have three DPS, one tank, two healers. Neko comes in at the number six. You see another four DPS after Neko. Uh, and then the 10th player is Jaehong. So, in the top 10, you've You've got two healers, one tank, or three healers rather, one tank, and seven DPS. And 
that's not bad for a fantasy league when you really think about it. Um, and then there is a chain of DPS within the top like 20. So, and a couple more tanks in there too. So I do think it's a much more balanced system and I'm really excited to see where they can take it in the future. While it may not be a complete system, it's definitely a better than the, than the one we had two weeks ago, you know? For sure. I mean, I think uh, this all falls pretty much in line with what I would accept, uh, expect. I, I still think that um, the right feeling that you want, so to say, when it comes to fantasy is you do want most of your points being generated from your offense players. They're the, the fun ones to watch. They're the ones who are making things happen. Um, but I also don't want them to be uh, overshadowing you know, the other key players, which are going to be your tanks and your support. So um, I think it should still be a lot of offensive players, um, but having the tanks and the supports having a spot in the limelight is awesome as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the tanks that were in there were really balanced tanks. It wasn't tanks getting stuff off of cheese. Um, the tanks that were ended up there were tanks that had a ton of playtime, tanks that um, did really well, had five maps, things like that. And that's something that, you know, we can talk about about in this week's results and stuff is just the sheer amount of importance on playtime and maps. Because really, the thing that I've realized after three weeks is playtime is going to be key. You don't necessarily want somebody who's going to go in and stomp the other team. And that's something to think of. And what's great is now that Shanghai is kind of finding a little bit of footing and this week may be rough for them as we talk about later, but they're starting to find their footing and they gave some challenges. So the before, you know, some of the teams that played against them didn't rack up a ton of points because they beat them so bad that it went through so quick, but we're not having that anymore. Um, Unless you are a Fleta owner and had to endure team players being subbed out against Shanghai. And even, um, you know, if you're a Philadelphia owner, somebody who owns Poco or something like that, you also suffered because your players didn't necessarily have to play against Shanghai. So they subbed them out, gave some other people time, which long run might be great for the organization. But for fantasy purposes, might have screwed you. And by might have screwed you, I mean screwed me. I mean, with some of these swaps, I was just happy that Miro got a little bit of play. And I think that's part of what, uh, you know, helped me uh, win in the Fantasy Watch League, um, which kind of lead us in to our next topic, which would just be our week in fantasy. Um, so, I mean, not to brag or anything, but like I said, number one score in the Fantasy Watch League. Uh, wish I had that score last week when I was playing you. Yeah, I don't blame you for that. I did not do so well in the fantasy watch league. So I kind of got hurt by um, something we talked about last week was the importance of players having the tank designation. And after we record the episode, things changed. Uh, I, I kind of filled in a note at the beginning of the episode to kind of let you guys know about that. But in case you didn't hear it, after we recorded, Winston's lab went in and changed some of the roles based on the heroes that people are actually playing, which is 100% fine. Even fantasy sports and baseball and football do that as players take on different roles and positions. It's okay. But what hurts me is that I drafted two flex players. So now I'm sitting with four tanks, two DPS who are not starting, two DPS who are starting, and a healer. So 
A little bit rough situation. I got smashed on this week by Blaze and Bob. All respects due. His team played off the walls. It didn't help me that Fleta subbed out um, against Shanghai and didn't play at all. Um, but, you know, and Anko didn't play very well either. So I might even start Custo <laughs> next week, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but that's the Experts League. How did you do in the fantasy watch? Again, I know you said you got the highest points, but who uh, who, who did well for you? I got you. So, um, you know, big thing is in the fantasy watch league, um, fate showed up. So with the point changes and stuff like that, he was able to earn me third most points on my team. He had plus 500 points in that regard. Um, so no, I mean, I was definitely pleased with the adjustments that they made. Um, give me one second here while I make sure I get all my numbers pulled up. Um, excuse me. Um, plus 250 points. My bad. My notes were incorrect here, but no, I had, um, you know, four players with more than, uh, you know, 250 points this week. So, um, despite the fact that the fuel have continued to suck, and I say that as a fuel fan, um, Effect and Mickey have still been able to really carry me through on some of these games. Yeah, you're lucky that you have Effect and Mickey. Unfortunately, I have whatever reason he was unable to play this week and uh, netted me zero points in the Fantasy Watch League. Uh, luckily, With for- that, I think, I think we should point out the fact that uh, he didn't play uh, and neither did XQC and the fuel happened to win a game. Just going to say it. Yeah. Well, one of them is not even eligible to play for a couple more weeks. But, uh, you know, I was still able to win in the Fantasy Watch League um, despite having the guy who has good aim get me zero points. Uh, basically carried by Shadowburn, Sabi, Olby, and Burgering. Much respect to all of them. And Mano did pretty well for me as well as a tank. But we did swap the Fantasy Watch League over to the new point scoring system both because we want to be able to provide better feedback to Winston's lab, but also because I think the majority of people who are going to be listening to this show, it seems like you're playing in a league that way. And this is a 10 team league. And if I'm being honest with you, you really need this point scoring system in a 10 team league because the eight team league or the 10 team league, if you're on the old point scoring system, it already has 20 to 25 players who aren't going to score you any points. You start adding in the fact that tanks are not going to score you a ton. It makes it really rough to create viable rosters or make trades. Definitely. I mean, with the old scoring system over there in the uh, Experts League, between Carpe, uh, Sabiobi, and Striker, I mean, just right there, uh, I had, what, Carpe is just killing it. I mean, it's just... There's definitely differences between the two, but I, I agree. On a on a ten man league, I think that the updated scoring system is gonna be a must. Yeah, absolutely. And Carpe's just insane. The dude may end up being the number one player in the league at the end of the season. There's a possibility. Um Fleda right now is still carrying that torch, but Carpe is not far behind and he's trying to make an argument for himself for sure. Uh, but that actually brings us in. Let's start talking about who did the best this week. These are going to be based off of just week three um, scores. Uh, but the top three supports for week three, the top three supports are going to be Jonak, Neko, and Jayhong. Um, we're going to start with Neko, and we're just going to talk. Do we, Do you think that, uh, I mean, it's Jonak, so let's be real. There's not really a conversation, <laughs> but do you think that 
Jonak is going to be able to be in the top three again next week, uh, considering this week he has to play against the Dragons and the Fuel? Yes, I absolutely do. Um, I mean, I think you have to leverage the fact that uh, he's probably going to be able to frag out against the Dragons uh, against the fact that it's probably going to be a stomp and we're only going to be looking at four games. It's not going to go the distance. I don't think there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, overtime pushes. I think that's pretty much just going to be a done deal. Um, Against the Fuel, um, I mean, we saw a little bit of life from the Fuel last week. Whether or not they're going to be able to carry that over into, uh, you know, next week, that's yet to be seen. But I think they at least have the ability to, you know, put up a fight and maybe take this to an extra round or two. And with that, I think that, uh, you know, Jonak will be able to at least finish within the top 10, maybe top 5. Yeah, I think the, those are some good points. I think that some players may do really bad, especially Zen players, when their team is stomping everybody. However, the way that uh, the XL Shura operates on YXL, the way that they tend to operate is empowering Jonak. And so I think that on a t- even when they're stomping people, I think they're still going to be enabling him to even perform even better. So it would not even shock me, bold prediction that he is the highest scoring point off of his team this week, even though he's a support player. I could see it. I mean, they do spend a lot of time uh, protecting him and even, like you said, enabling him to make sure that he uh, he's killing people. They treat him just like a third DPS. I mean, they say it all the time uh, in the cast, but it's really the truth. He, he does so much work as a Zenyatta. Oh, yeah, he's on another level. Uh, which brings us into the next person who's actually going to be Neko and uh, from the Boston uh, Uprising. And they're going to be facing the Los Angeles Gladi- Gladiators and the Los Angeles Valiant. So they get a face off against both L.A. teams this week. What are you thinking about Neko? you think he's going to be able to pull into the top three again next week? I don't know if he's going to be able to do top three. I still think he's going to be within the top 10. I think both of those games are going to be very, very close games. Uh, if you watch the Gladiators, their teamwork and they're able to, their ability to, you know, coordinate, um, it's pretty impressive. Um, and it seems like the only team that's working harder on that teamwork uh, is going to be Boston Uprising. So, I see that game going long. I see there being a lot of extra rounds with that. Um, And then against LA Valiant, I think that's another team that's equally matched up against the Boston Uprising, which, you know, thinking back to two months ago when we were talking about how we thought these teams were going to shape up, I never, ever would have thought I said that uh, Boston Uprising and LA Valiant were going to be on equal footing. But I think both of these games are going to be very close. I think they're going to go extra rounds. I think that we might even get five out of one, if not both of them. And I think that uh, Neko is going to be able to put up a lot of points. Absolutely. I think I agree with you, especially on the fact that we didn't expect Boston to be where they're at. But um, I could actually see that all of these matches go into five. Um, it could go either way, but the fact that, or not really the fact, but the way that Boston has looked the last two weeks and and the way that the Gladiators and the Valiant have looked, which isn't bad. I'm, I think they've all been playing really well. I think that the middle of the pack and the Overwatch League is just going to be some of the most competitive uh, Overwatch we've seen in a long time. So I'm really excited to watch those matchups, but I also think that the fact that they could go five maps means if you have players on any one of those teams, I I would definitely consider starting them. 
Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't even think you always need to just be looking for the player that you think is going to be performing the best, but just see where the closest matchups are going to be and who is going to spend the most time in game because they're going to be able to rack you up, you know, more points. So it's something to look at, but that'll bring us into, um, you know, Jaehong. And uh, he's facing off against London Spitfire and the Houston Outlaws this month. So what are your feelings on that? Dude, again, the story is playtime. These are two teams that I think are going to be some really good matchups. At least I hope they are. Um, as an Outlaws fan, I, I hope that they 4-0. But if I'm being realistic, Seoul is a great team, man. And if they take that to five maps and lose as a fan of the Outlaws, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chalk it up and say, hey, we did good. Um, if it doesn't go that good, then I'm still going to say, I hope this is a learning experience and then they can improve. But as far as the fantasy aspect goes, I feel like players, especially Jay Hong are going to be able to excel. They're going to have a lot of maps, especially in the new point scoring system. You don't have to worry if Jay Hong plays mercy for a map or two, you're not going to like lose exponential amounts of points and have no chance of winning anymore. So that's the benefit of the new scoring system. And I'm excited to see this week. Cause I do think, like I said, Spitfire still probably in the top three to five teams in the league right now. Outlaws, I think are about the same position there. And, I'm going to say Seoul in my power rankings is number two behind NYXL. I'd have to say uh, sometime roughly before the 4-0 stomp that uh, the Outlaws laid on the Dallas Fuel, I wouldn't know how they would uh, you know, face up against the Dynasty. But at this point, I mean, the Outlaws have shown themselves to be an incredibly strong team. And I agree. I think that, uh, you know, this might be another week where the Dynasty get taken the distance between London Spitfire and, I dare say it, the Houston Outlaws. I think that they could take them to that fifth map. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen, but I cannot wait until uh, Jay Hong spins uh, almost no time on Mercy. I can't wait for these nerfs to come through. Yeah, and, and let me take the salt out of the, the salt shaker and, and pour this in for a grain of couple of salts for you guys. But scrim results, according according to some of the, the players like Jay Hong, who talked about saying, you know, hey, the, the Outlaws are a team to beat. That's who we want to face. I want to I play off against Jake and Linkster and some of the other players. Um. I think it's going to be competitive. I think the outlaws belong in that conversation and whether or not they can beat soul and beat NYXL. They didn't beat NYXL, but you know, in the future, like put all of that aside, I think that they're in a position where they can compete and they can make those close games. And I think that's what we want to see. And that's, what's going to be important for your fantasy, not whether or not they win, but whether they go five maps and they keep it competitive. If it's a, you know, overtime maps and stuff like that. I think that's what we're going to be looking for for a lot of points. Exactly. Well, uh, you know, with us finishing up with those supports, we can talk about tanks. And uh, as the resident Dallas Fuel fan, I feel capable of talking about our first tank, which is Mickey. Um, you know, I'm always going to have a soft spot for Mickey. Is uh, that your team name? Exactly. Uh, I'm mad for Mickey. Now, uh, he's shown a lot of growth as a player recently. He spent a ton of time on Roadhog. And while I haven't seen him be able to play, uh, you know, as a groundbreaking Roadhog, he's been able to hold his own against a lot of the uh, top teams. With that, uh, I mean, it's just good to see him playing something strong outside of his standard diva. 
Um, I do want to see him continue to widen his hero pool. Um, but, uh, you know, I still have a lot of concerns about Dallas. And I say that as I'm wearing a Dallas fuel hat right now as we speak. Um, and that includes Mickey. Uh, this week, they're going against Fusion and NYXL. And both of them are coming off of huge wins. And I think they're going to take that momentum into their games against the fuel. And... Uh, as much as, uh, you know, Mickey did a lot of work last week, I don't know if he's going to be able to stand up against uh, the Fusion uh, and the XO. Yeah, I think, so I've heard that uh, the guy who has good aim has been and been coaching and, and helping Mickey work on his Roadhog. And uh, we know that he has a great Roadhog, probably one of the best. So I think that that's definitely helping. And I do see a future of Mickey playing more than just Diva. But... I think you might be right now. The Fusion, I think, might go four or five maps and be close and competitive. That is definitely possible, I think. Although I do think the NYXL is going to kind of stomp out the flame, if you will. There is no fuel that New York Excelsior is not going to put out the flame. So It's going to be a stomp. It's going to be a stomp. (laughs) Yeah. So, at least from what I've experienced, what I think, I, I could be wrong, man. If I eat crow, I eat crow. I'm cool with that. I ain't afraid of it. But... I do have hope for Mickey. Um, and the other thing is there still seems to be the bug where Diva players aren't necessarily getting all their points for alts and stuff like that. So him playing Hog is definitely a good sign for his points and for fantasy owners. He was the number one tank this week. So I do think that there is some hope. Now, if you have Mickey, I'd probably start him. Do I think he's going to be in the top three next week? No, I don't. But if you're in an eight-team league, you don't need him in the top three. He's worth starting if he's a top 10 tank, unless you have a better DPS than him. If he's the only tank you got in the top 10, I would start him. So, you know, maybe one week we'll start doing a name game where we can talk about who we'd start over who. But the next tank we got on the list for the top three tanks is actually going to be Fate coming in from the LA Valiant. And uh, he's going to be facing off against the Fusion and Boston. Uh, What do you think his odds are this week? Um, I mean, since the beginning of the the league, um, the tank duo from the Valiant has been consistent fantasy-wise. Uh, I think that's going to continue as they play against Fusion and Boston. Um, it's, uh, you know, another another group of teams that have come off gigantic wins. Um, but I really think that, uh, you know, the Valiant have proven themselves capable of keeping a cool head and holding their own, even after maybe some setbacks. So... I mean, the fact that through three weeks, uh, you know, the tank duo, Fate and Envy from uh, from the Valiant, they've been able to put up a ton of points. I don't think that's going to change at all. I think that we're still looking at, uh, you know, Fate being uh, top three, if not number one in points for tanks. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think that's definitely a possibility. Um, and like you said, it's not just Fate. Uh, Envy is right there, too. Envy is... I believe a fifth or sixth rated tank. Um, and so there, there's definitely something to be said. They're the only two team, the only team that has two tanks that are within the top in that region. Um, the only tanks better than Envy were, uh, Mecco, Fate, and Mickey. So, you know, they got two tanks or Gamsu as well. Sorry, the one we're about to talk about next. But so, you know, they have two tanks in the top five. There's definitely something to be said about that tank duo and what they're doing. They've definitely been successful, and it's not like they've had super easy competition. Uh, they were both rated that high 
last week and um, they were playing the gladiators which the battle for la went to five maps so again we see that that map trend um, and then they did that against mayhem now mayhem's not that that impressive but the gladiator map they played really well and it's not the first week that they've been that high so i'm excited for them and the last tank the third best tank uh, for week three is actually going to be gamsu coming off of the boston uprising and this week speaking of the battle for la the uprising will be causing havoc in los angeles both days playing the los angeles gladiators and the los angeles valiant I think that Boston, after this week's showing and after what they've continued to show us, have the chance to beat both of them. But at the same time, I think they could both go to five maps just as easily. So if you've got Gamsu, if you have some of the Boston players, I definitely would want to start them this week because I do think there's a good chance that they end up in the same positions. Maybe not in the top three, but definitely fighting for a top five in their position this week. For sure. I mean, Gamsu is a, a strong tank, but if I'm going to pick a top three for next week, I'm going to go with Bishu. He's been a standout player for me. Uh, I mean, the Gladiators, they've had great communication so far. Um, They don't let the setbacks prevent them from sticking to their game plan. Um, And I really do think that going forward, the Gladiators are going to be able to continue to build on that teamwork. Their communication, uh, you know, it's just going to continue to get stronger and stronger. Uh, And I think it'll, uh, you know, show in your fantasy points when it comes to Bishu. So, I know this is supposed to be about, uh, you know, Gamsu, but I really think Bishu is the one to look for this week. Uh, it's definitely a possibility, and I'm excited to see what the Gladiators can bring because they continue to improve, and uh, they've looked pretty good, better than I thought. And I'm willing to eat Crow because I argued that um, Bishu and Remix were not going to be able to hang in. While I still don't think that they're top six tank duo in the league, Um They've definitely proven that they belong, and and maybe they're eight or nine, but they've definitely been playing well from a fantasy perspective. If you have either one, especially Bisho, I definitely consider uh, consider starting him. But that brings us into the top three DPS. Now this week, the top player overall for the first time is not Fleta, but not for without trying because Fleta just didn't play against Shanghai. Maybe they were resting and maybe he didn't feel good. I don't know, but they didn't play against the drag or he didn't play against the dragons. So the top DPS is coming in as Carpe from the fusion. Who's just insane. The dude is just going off clicking heads left and right. Uh, and this week he's going to be clicking heads against the Los Angeles Valiant and your very own Dallas fuel. I'm going to call fusion winning both of these matchups. And, uh, if you have Carpe start him, He's going to be in the top five again. There's no doubt in my mind, unless something happens or he ends up not starting or something like that, Carpe is going to be in the top five for DPSs. He's a must start. Yeah, I'm willing to say he's going to be number one. I spent the last two weeks singing the praises of Carpe. Um, You know, I'll let you take the lead on this one. Uh, I mean, he's going to be tested by soon in their first match. But other than that, I think he's just going to rack up a ton of kills against the Fuel. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure Soon's going to push in that much because Soon, unless they're Widow v. Widow, Tracer battles, neither one of them are really the Sabiolbi type Tracer who's going to defend and protect and and run circles around their team and protect them. Uh, They're both fairly aggressive, but my money's still going to be on Carpe. And the second player, another Tracer player, is actually going to be from Boston. Like we talked about, if you got these Boston players, if you have... This one, who's striker coming at the second DPS, or if you have Dream Caspers, um, start those dudes. 
Boston has shown that they belong. They can compete with the best of teams. They can lose, but will lose, you know, valiantly against the Korean rosters. Um, and they do it where they're able to still score a lot of points. Both of them have shown, both Stryker and Drew and Casper, that they're nasty and they're going to get what done. They're going to get things done. So if you got them, you want to start them. Um, and the third best DPS this week is going to be from your team. Uh, so why don't you go hand, ahead and handle that? For sure. Uh, so it's going to be Siegel. And uh, when it comes to last week, I really feel like Siegel was the standout player. Uh, without his playmaking, I don't think that Dallas would have continued uh, to, you know, be able to take some of those points. They definitely would have continued their loss streak. That's for sure. Uh, there are so many times during that match with uh, the shock where they were just stymied. Uh you saw them just get stuck. I mean, specifically right now, I'm thinking about Horizon Lunar Colony, where they almost got first point held until, you know, Siegel came through and got a bunch of kills with a uh, Junkrat tire, and they were able to go ahead and win that. I think that kind of uh, built the momentum, and they were able to snowball that into the win against uh, the San Francisco Shock. Um, but really, uh, at this point, I feel like Siegel's back's got to hurt because he's been carrying this team on his back for a while. You know, I'm not even necessarily... Yes, I think that's true. I'm not going dis- to disagree with that, but I'm not so much worried about that right now. So much as I don't know if Siegel got all that playing time because Harry Hook was sick and the maps that they were playing and the stuff they had practiced without Harry Hook didn't include the guy who had good aim or mm-hmm. if it was just because... You know, he's playing because those are the maps they want to play him on. I think that we need to see who's going to be playing full time. So while I think it's absolutely possible Siegel could end up in the top three again, it also wouldn't surprise me if going into this week he doesn't play that much. That said, the maps that they're playing are very junk dependent, or not dependent, but junk heavy possibility maps. Um, they're going to be against the XL, they're playing Numani, Anubis. Oasis and Eldorado, three of which I could see him playing Junkrat on, even parts of Oasis if they continue to do their anti-dive comp. Um, and against the Fusion, they're going to be playing Eichenwald, Anubis, Ilios, and Dorado. Uh, he might end up playing Farah or something like that on Ilios, but again, Anubis, Dorado, and Eichenwald, all good for Junk. So I think that we could definitely be seeing him again. For sure. I mean, I think the story of, uh, you know, this week coming up is if Seagull plays, is he going to be able to get the number of, uh, you know, Carpe and Shadowburn with those, uh, you know, mines? He could definitely shut down a squishier flanker like that Tracer or like the Genji. Um, if he doesn't, he's just going to get shit on. But uh, if he's able to get their number, I think he's going to be able to put up a lot of money or a lot of points, excuse me. Um, and then I'm also pretty excited to see how his Farah versus Farah goes against Shadowburn and against like uh, Libero. So I think it'll be an exciting week. Do I think uh, the Fuel are going to win? No, I don't. Not at all. But I think it could be good if Siegel shows up. Yeah, I think it's possible. And like I said, it- if those are the maps and those are the things that he's going to play on, I think he's going to do really well. Um, awesome. But that kind of rounds out what we got for the top three after week three. So top three, week three, boom, done. Let's talk about what's going to go out in week four. The first matchup we're going to see in week four is actually going to be the Los Angeles Valiant versus the Philadelphia Fusion. 
this is definitely going to be a placement match, if you will, because both of these teams, I think, have kind of secured their spot in the middle to upper middle of the pack. Um, and I'm really excited to kind of see how this one plays out. But for this particular matchup, the player we're going to talk about is going to be coming off the Los Angeles Valiant, and that's going to be soon. He wasn't in the top three this week for DPS like he has been um, most of the last few weeks. Uh, that said, he still was in the top 10, and he still was a top five DPSer. Um, had he not been you know, in the new scoring system where there's a a two DPS and two tanks ahead of him, he would have been number five. Um, If you've got him, you've got to start him. And he's not the only one. We talked about him before. If you've got the tanks, you got Fate, you got Envy. If you even have Kareev and you're playing on the new scoring system, you want to start it. I think the Valiant have shown us they're going to be one of those teams who are really fighting for contention. And in the new point scoring system, that's going to make a big difference. I talked about in the Expert League how Unko kind of hit me hard because he was in the negative in the new in the old scoring system. But in the new scoring system, Unko cleaned up with 200 points this week. So... If you have some of those Valiant starters, uh, you definitely want to be playing him. Uh, if you have Silk Thread, um, I would definitely consider starting him. I probably would if he was my DPS 3 or DPS 4. Uh, I definitely wouldn't start him as my DPS 1 or DPS 2. My pick would just be go Verbo. I think Lucio is making a comeback uh, in week 4. And Verbo is going to get your points. Expert, expert pick right there. All day. <laughs> hey, but, uh, <laughs> I like Verbo, but I don't know. Uh, next game is going to be uh, Florida Mayhem versus the Gladiators. As far as a uh, you know Florida player is concerned, what I'd be looking at is going to be Manitin. Uh, he came through big last week, uh, 219 points, uh, seventh, putting him you know definitely within the top 10 for tanks. Uh, that was seventh as far as tanks are concerned, excuse me. Um, but, uh, you know, going off this week, they're going to be going against, uh, the gladiators and the shock. Um, and I think that, uh, some of these games might be a little bit closer than what most people would assume. I think that mayhem's kind of finding their stride. And while I don't think they'll win the games, I do think they're going to put up a fight. Um, and, uh, I think that Manitin's going to continue to go ahead and give you good numbers and, uh, definitely have an impact on the games and, uh, on your roster as well. Yeah, I definitely think I can agree with that. The Mayhem, it's been rough watching them. I want to see them be successful. Manitin definitely struggled a ton this week. But again, as somebody who's playing Roadhog, there's a huge possibility for success for first kill potentials and stuff like that. And we've seen on the tank rolls how much how many points those can be worth. So if you're playing Manitin in a new scoring format league, he could really clean up for you. Um, may the force be with you on that pickup, but... The next game we've got is going to be the Houston Outlaws versus San Francisco Shock. Um, and for players I want to talk about from the Houston Outlaws this week, we've talked a ton about their DPS, who are all great. However, with the new scoring system, it opens up for some other players to get a lot of points. The one I want to talk about is my dude, Rockus, playing Anna and Zen. Uh, he was the highest point scoring player off of the entire Outlaws roster. Not something you necessarily expect from a ton of these support players. And especially off the Outlaws who, while they did 4-0 both teams, that leads to a little bit less playtime, a little bit less struggle. So you don't see very many of their players in the top 10 or any in the top 10. Um, so 
Rockus, though, is the highest scoring player off the team. I think he's going to continue to be able to do that week after week based on the roles that he plays. And he is playing some DPS when they are jumping onto maps like Junkertown. So with the new point scoring system as well, remember, if your support player is one like Rockus or Harry Hook, who's going to be doing damage on certain maps like Junkertown, that could end up getting you a ton of points. Definitely. I mean, I think that uh, Houston is going to dispatch the shock pretty handedly. Um, I'm a little bit more concerned about their matchup against Seoul, but I think this is really uh, a time where Houston's going to have their medal tested. Um, and even though I'm a Dallas Fuel fan, I'm hoping that uh, you know the Outlaws come up big against the uh, the Dynasty. And I think it could be a possibility. I don't know if they're going to win, but I definitely think they could put up a fight. But uh, that fin- uh, excuse me, finishes up Wednesday night. We'll start with Thursday. With that, uh, we got the Fusion versus the Fuel. Um, as far as a Fusion uh, player, I spent way too much time talking about Carpe um, and ignoring a lot of the other talent on that squad. So um, I'm definitely going to be looking at Poco to have a strong week. Um, you know, he had a really phenomenal uh, you know week one and two a little bit less in week three, but I think going into week four, uh, he's pretty much just going to put on like a masterclass on, uh, you know, how you should be dropping diva bombs on players. I think he's going to get a lot more points against the fuel. Um, and then, uh, when it comes against, uh, the Los Angeles Valiant, I really do think that's a game that's going to go to the distance. So I think Poco is going to be your pick, especially when it comes to, you know, like the tank role. I, I definitely can agree with you on that. And I think that people will talk about Poco doing bad in week three or his point total being low. I mean, like, like I said, he's one of the players that kind of got me. But again, comes back to we've been reiterating nonstop this episode is playtime is king. And he didn't play all the time, not because he wasn't playing well or anything like that. But it seems like he didn't play because they were trying to get some of the other players on their team a little bit more experience on the land, get them a little bit more comfortable. Now, in the future, that may mean that Poco's going to be on a, a timeshare position, but it also just might mean, hey, when they play teams, they know they're going to stomp. We're not going to play Poco. And that's something that you have to consider when you're setting your lineup each week. Um, but going into the next matchup, we're actually going to have the New York Excelsior and the Shanghai Dragons. Now, the the Excelsior and YXL had some great plays. I've talked about Sabiolbi. We've talked about uh, Jajonak a ton throughout the last couple of weeks. But let's talk about somebody who, for the first time for fantasy, means a ton. His interview at the end of the episode or the end of the matchup, because he was a player of the match, was great. Um, him on his reactions to stuff on Twitter, his excitement and just his personality seems great. And I want to talk about Ark. The, the dude played some Mercy. He played some other support heroes. He came in with 249 points. He is possibly sitting on the unsigned players um, in your league. And if that is the case and you're playing in the new scoring system, I would absolutely look at possibly trying to pick him up because we can see if he can consistently hold these points. And while, yes, he did play against some really tough matchups this week, um, I think that he could continue to be in the top 20, top 25 for all supports. So if he's free in your league, I would be trying to snag Ark. I like Mecco. He was one of the, you know, higher scoring tanks. And I feel like he's just going to be a wrecking ball going against the Dragons. 
and I don't see him losing momentum once he faces off against the Dallas Fuel. So I'm actually more surprised by your pick in Arc, but if you have Mecco, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't want to play him this week. Oh, I would absolutely play Mecco as well. I just wanted to talk about Arc because we talked about Mecco last week because his Diva and his Roadhog are, are definitely nasty, and he's got that first pick potential, especially on Roadhawk. But exactly, Arc, you but know, no. for the first Arc time, we get to talk well. about some uh, some Mercy players and stuff. So, exactly, give them some love. Now, that'll bring us, uh, you know, on over to London. Now, uh, I'm going to go with Profit. I mean, we all know he puts up great fantasy numbers, but uh, he puts up even better plays in game. My biggest reason for picking him, though, is that uh, he basically gave the entire viewership of the Overwatch League the bird. Um, and he actually showed more remorse with that than uh, a lot of other players who've behaved way worse, uh, you know, either in game or, you know, outside of the league. But uh, what I'll say is, uh, you know, Profit's definitely going to improve your fantasy score if you have him. Um, and uh, maybe you can ride his, uh, his coattails as far as, uh, you know, like your karmic value is concerned. Hey, I definitely am trying a couple of leagues. I'll just say on the whole thing is like, I think they handled it well. It was an accident. If you hear the story, you can tell it wasn't what he was intending. He thought he was doing it to some other people in the back room, and they're the only ones you could see with like their personal staff and stuff. Things happen, dude. We've all been there. Um, but whoever said, or this this uh, misinterpretation or misnomen, whatever it is, misnomenclature or something, that the Korean players are not marketable to Western audiences. Wherever that idea came from, it is heresy. I love these Korean players. They are so fun to watch. The interview, not that we're talking about them right now, but the interview between with Pine and Sabiobi was hilarious. I, I smile every time I watch it. I see the clip where it's like, where Sabiobi's like, you stupid one trick. And he's, and then Pine's like, but you only know how to play Widow and Tracer. <laughs> it's like, dude, I love it. You know, I, it just makes me so happy. Profit's another one. They, they just seem to be so happy to be here. They're having a great time. They're playing like, they're playing great. It's fun to watch them. I'm just really excited to see what some of these Koreans can do. But Profit uh, is definitely one I'm looking forward to on the Spitfire as well. But that brings us into the San Francisco Shock versus the Florida Mayhem. I definitely think the Shock are going to be able to take this matchup. Um, but some of the Shock players had some really shaky uh, fantasy performances. Baby Bay came in with only 148 points, uh, putting him kind of in the middle of the pack. He's a DPS 3 last week. Uh, that said, against the Mayhem, I do think that he's going to have a really good chance to perform well. Um, and I'm not necessarily convinced that, say, the Shock or uh, the Mayhem are going to be able to shut the Shock out. Um, if you have Baby Bay, I'm still going to want to start him. I think he has that carry potential. He has the ability to do a ton of points. Um, but anybody else on the shock, I think, is definitely somebody to consider, especially if they're DPS related. The DPS there are definitely the ones I'd pick up. The support, if it's Sleepy, you start him. I'd probably even force a trade for Sleepy and a new scoring. Um, their tanks, I'd be kind of iffy about. If you need to start him, start him. Um, but if you have either uh, Baby Bay or Dante, even Nevix, those are kind of going to be your almost must starts. Now, if you have another tank, I'd probably try to start him over Nevix. 
um, especially if you have a fury or um, you know the fate or envy that we talked about earlier but if you're kind of like last resorting nevix isn't going to hurt you too bad nomi is going to do you okay but definitely not where you want to be as far as points go but for the San Francisco, if you got the dude Dante, if you got Baby Bay, if you got Sleepy or Nevix, you definitely want to start him. Um, yeah, I'm looking at uh, at Sleepy. I think he had a little bit of a rough week um, in week three. Uh, but uh, I don't doubt that the coaching staff for the Shock has spent a lot of time looking forward to this Outlaws matchup. And uh, I think that uh, they're definitely going to give them a run for their money. I think it's still going to end in four, but I think that the Shock is going to be able to you know put up a fight um, and then against the mayhem, I think it's it's going to be uh, pretty one sided for the shock. But uh, that'll bring us to our next game, which is going to be the dynasty versus the Houston Outlaws. I think this is probably um, you know up the, the game to watch. Yeah, <laughs> up the ante. Um, this will probably be the game to watch for me um, with the upcoming week. Um, I think Zumba had a great week. Um, he's been on the rise fantasy wise for me um, this far into the league. Uh, we already know who like the top DPS are. Um, and if you don't have them, I don't necessarily know if you're going to be getting them at this point. So I would look for gains on your roster when it comes to the tank and support roles. Um, and I think you could make some big improvements just by picking up Zumba, especially going into a week when Soul is going to be playing against London and the Outlaws. I think these are two games that could definitely go the distance, go five games, He'll have a lot of play, be able to rack you up a lot of points. Um, and I would say, you know, between last week and this week, uh, Soul is running into some of their toughest uh, weeks for stage one. Um, and while that's tough for the team, I think that means a lot for your point totals with your roster on any Soul players that you might have. I'm going to toss one thing out there for Soul. And if you have Jay Hong, um, you may have one of the best supports in the league but I would almost consider trading him. And the reason I say that is you can find another support player who's going to score similar amounts of points or be within the same ballpark, you know, maybe 20, 25 points a week. But if you can get somebody who's going to take Jay Hong and maybe they're going to give you a Carpe, maybe they'll trade you Fleta, especially in the new scoring system or a striker, a dream Caspers, somebody who's going to con- Seems like they're going to be consistently scoring a ton of points and you can trade them for Jayhong. I honestly probably would because you can get another support who's going to score you a decent amount of points. Maybe not as many, but you can get more points out of a different DPS if you can score it. Um, but that'll bring us into the next matchup, which is going to be somebody we just talked about or one of the players that they're going to be facing up against the Boston Uprising and that is going to be the Los Angeles Gladiators. Um, They've actually looked really good most of the time. They're definitely going to be a competitive team. Like I said, the middle of the pack seems to be very, very competitive. You talked about Bishu earlier. Um, I had mentioned iRemix doing well, uh, decently well um, as well. But the ones I want to talk about are the three DPS who seem to kind of be subbing in and out, but they're all within the same point total area. Uh, you got Surefor with 244 points, Asher with 244 points, and Hydration with 267. It's hard to tell who's going to play. Um, hopefully soon I will be able to push out an article that tells you who's playing on what maps, and maybe that can help you guys choose who you want to play each week. But as for now, if you got one of them and you're not starting them as your number one or your number two DPS starter for the week, maybe 
maybe they're number three, they're number four, I would start Asher, I would start Hydration, I would definitely start Shirt 4, even though we're still kind of confused as to where their roles go. Um, I think that all three of them are going to still continue to be able to uh, score you a decent amount of points. I do apologize, I gave you the total point score, though, for the three of them last week, though. Asher is at 102, Hydration at 121, and Sure 4 at 76. We did see a little bit less Sure 4 play, but I think that might have been kind of the map pool. Um, but I still, like I said, DPS 3, DPS 4 slots. If you have one of those three, I would still start him. Um, so while I was talking about how you know tank players could do a lot for you, I'm going to talk about Bishu again. Um, I think he's got a lot of ability to grow as a player, and that's already with him being so strong. So I wouldn't sleep on Bushu. Uh, he's put up great numbers, um, and I think that's going to be looking even better with him going against the Uprising. You know, Bishu might even be something, someone that you can pull out of a trade, um, especially after, I believe, uh, you know, he hasn't had necessarily the best showing, but he's been getting better, and he's struggled against some of the tougher competition that they played last week. Uh, Diva players specifically are subject to the, the possibility that they're going to get targeted. Uh, some teams are going to play compositions where they intentionally try to take Diva out of suit first because they want to make sure they can use other ultimates and things like that. Uh, but he tends to do well, and I, I think that he definitely could be if you can pick him up or, or trade something, maybe even trade something lower that you're not going to even use. Maybe you're another support player or another tank that you have that you don't need. He might be worth picking up and stashing. I think you might be able to pick him up if you're playing in a league with people who don't spend as much time uh, paying attention to players and points and stuff like that. And so. hopefully they don't listen to our show. <laughs> exactly. But if they well, don't, you should tell them to listen after this week because we appreciate all our new listeners and we appreciate everybody sharing us. Exactly. Well, that finishes up everything with Friday night. So we'll lead into our last night of the week, which is going to be Saturday. With Saturday, we're looking at the Shanghai Dragons versus the London Spitfire. We're looking at a, uh, you know, Dragons player. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and say Undead. Uh, he spent more time on his comfort picks. Um, and uh, I think there's a possibility that he's going to get shut down with his matchups this week. I think uh, Undead's going to be your best bet if you do have, um, you know, people from the Dragons on your roster. Yeah, I definitely think it's possible. I think we saw some new dimensions from from them this week, and we saw some better improvements. I will say that Roshan, their tank, was kind of close, in, or actually only one point behind Undead. So if you have Roshan and, and you feel comfortable starting him or he's the best tank you have, he's not going to be a horrible option. Um, but I would start Undead for sure because I think that they're they're at this point where their envy in when they were at Apex was like, all right, well, we can't play this dive meta. We just aren't ready for that. That's not our style. And I think that the Dragons are, are getting to a point where they're going to say, hey, Screw everybody else's style. We're doing us. And honestly, I'm going to celebrate when they finally win. But uh, they looked way better playing their comfort picks. And Undead looked great on McCree. So I do think that if you have him, he's definitely a safe bet for a DPS 3, DPS 4 slot. But that brings us into your team, which is going to be the Dallas Fuel and the NYXL and a player from the Dallas Fuel. Exactly. I mean, uh, this is a tough pick. 
Uh, Dallas Fuel just seems to be a team that's in flux. Uh, you know, looking at last week's games, looks like they've opted out of just playing the classic, uh, you know, NV roster. Uh, Taimu got little to no play last week. Uh, Harry Hook didn't. You know, as you said, that could be due to a sickness. Um, but, uh, you know, I think you're just going to want to stick to your tried and true. And uh, that's going to be effect. If you're feeling fancy, you can go with Siegel. But that goes back to what we talked about earlier in the episode. Is Siegel going to get that play coming into this week? Um, he's already getting more play in this roster than I really originally anticipated. Oh, I thought yeah. he was going to be occasional swap in on certain maps, maybe more like a pine. Um, yep, I did too. But, but uh, you know, we'll see. If he does get the play, um, I see week four really being the place for him to prove himself. Uh, It'll know, be interesting because... Against- I- I don't know if he's playing because if it's it's junk meta and he's just a junk rat specialist, um, mm-hmm. and so it makes sense. Or if he's playing because they did, like I said earlier, like hey, maybe they only practice the, all the comps they practice without Harry Hook had Siegel in it, and not the guy who has good aim. So they just were like, all right, we're gonna run this. Um, but I didn't anticipate Siegel getting as much play time as he has been getting. I'm excited to see where it goes. But it does make me a little bit nervous going to this week. That said, if if you have effect, he's an absolute start because no matter who else they play, he seems to be one of the constant uh, constant starters on the roster. Um, but let's go into the final map of Saturday, the end of week three, or is it week four? My apologies. The end of week four is going to be Boston Uprising versus the Los Angeles Valiant, and. From Boston, like I said, Boston has been a team that I, as well as many other people, kind of underrated, but have been playing very well. And while I am not convinced that they're currently, but possibly in the future, um, right now they're not a top two, top three team. They've been competing with teams that I think are top two, top three, um, or I thought were top two, top three. Um and if you got a lot of those Boston starters, you want to start them for sure. Or, uh, you want to start Gams. You want to start Striker. Like I said, Dreamcasters, the DPS duo and the and even the tank duos coming out of Boston have played really well. Uh, Neko being one of the top support players and stuff. So if you've got Boston players or if you see Boston players on your unsigned Ross or unsigned players, you definitely want to consider picking those guys up. So my question for you is: Do you think? last week's games when it comes to Boston, that uh, that win over London, do you think that's an anomaly or do you think that's indicative of what we have in the future? So the win against London kind of, I didn't expect it. However, I did think that they, my personal thought was that they were going to lose to London three to two, but it was still going to go to five maps. And I called that in my pickums. So I do think, that while Boston is getting closer to being a competitor um, and being one of the probably top six teams in the league, which is where right now, if I had to take a guess at where the chips fall at the end of the season, I'd probably say Boston ends up um, in number six or so. Now, that said, London looked shaky. That was definitely not the best performance we have seen from the Spitfire in the Overwatch League. Um, and I don't know if it's because they underrated Boston themselves. They didn't practice as hard. Maybe it was the second game this week. It was the second game two days in a row. Maybe they prepared more for the shock and they were like, all right, we won't worry about the, I don't know. But 
I don't want to take anything away from Boston because at the end of the day, their players play really good. Um, and even against the fuel, when they beat the fuel, uh, fuel looked better. They were, they look like they're starting to hopefully get some of their stuff together and they're not playing as bad as they did before. So I think that that's definitely a possibility. Do I think that Boston's going to come out every week and 4-0 people or something? No, I don't. But I do think that Boston's going to be a team that each week, no matter who they go up against, uh, unless it's maybe NYXL or Seoul or maybe the Outlaws, but for the most part, I think Boston's going to be in a position where they can fight for a a really close four-map series and I'll often bring it to a five-map series. Just before we finish up, I mean, I'll say validation is a hell of a thing. And I think that that win over Boston is validation for all the hard work that they've put through. Um, I think they're going to have a newfound confidence and a swagger that they're going to bring into these games. Um, And I definitely think this could propel them into stepping their game up. And while I agree, I don't think they're going to walk in here and just start 4-0-ing people. I think they're going to be able to put up a lot more fight than anybody thought they were, you know, before last week. Yeah, like I said, I don't want to take, like, do I think that that was the best we'd ever seen Spitfire play? No, it isn't. And, I, and I, I'm honest enough to say that. But at the same time, I don't want to take anything away from Boston because that was one of the best we've ever seen Boston. So they're, they're definitely on an upswing. And we're seeing that their players, their DPS are shut down DPS. Gamsu is a tank to be reckoned with. Like, these guys are playing great. Um, Note played well. Kalios is still playing well. Neko is, like I said, one of the, he's Neko as far as fantasy purposes has continued to be one of the top five almost every week, I believe. So he might be someone you can even t- uh, target in the league, especially with people who might not be paying as close attention because they might not know that Neko's as good as he's been playing. So just something to think about. But I, I'm excited to see where Boston goes. I'm a Houston fan all the way, but there are other teams I root for. I grew up outside of Boston for a long time. So I, I root for Boston in every other sport, which brings me to Sunday, which let's go Pats, baby. But, you know, I have a feeling in my heart for them, and I want to see them succeed not just because they're the underdogs and and anything like that, but just because I have a passion for that city. Definitely. And uh, I don't know anything about football, but I hope that the the Pats lose against whoever they play. (laughs) With what little I know about uh, football, I'm pretty sure that the Dallas Fuel are the Cleveland Browns of the Overwatch League. (sighs) Wow. I don't know if the Dallas fuels the Cleveland Browns. That's, that's, oof. I mean, that's systematic bad. That's like just systematic bad. So, like, maybe that's China with all the issues they've been having with their staff and stuff like that. I mean, not, not topics for this show at necessarily, but something that we're going to start talking about next week. I've already started laying out the outline is player pickups and stuff because we're going to as the player window opens and the signing period opens again we've seen players we we now know that akm is going to be playing for the dallas fuel do i want to rush out and pick up akm not so much because i'm not sure where he's going to play because there's a guy who has a good aim that plays the same heroes he does seagull plays farah um and genji maybe you know akmc is focusing on trying to learn genji and grind that out maybe that's his plan i don't know but 
I'm excited to see where it goes, but we'll see. But other players, there's some Chinese players who talked about it and, and denied coming So to the Overwatch League for other issues. But in the future, you know, we'll be talking about that and who to pick up, what to think about all these new players coming in the league and stuff, and I'm really excited for that. Especially with, uh, you know, mid-season signings coming up. So it's a big thing to start talking about. And uh, maybe one day I'll quit being a self-loathing Dallas Fuel fan. We'll find out. Yeah. That's all topics for next week. (laughs) Yeah. I I just don't know because the Fuel could end up being great after signings or they could get their stuff together and figure it out and find their their pace of play with the new players they added. Um, Shanghai could continue to be bad. We don't know because we're not – like. The whole Chinese scene is, is 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 very different. But I'm excited to see where they go. I hope that no team in the Overwatch League is the Cleveland Browns. Um, because the thing is, the way that China's been picking up this week is going to be hard. They, they're facing off against tough competition. There's no doubt about that. Um, seeing as they play the, the New York Excelsior and the London Spitfire, two teams in the top probably four of the league in power rankings right now. Um, but I think they're they're showing improvement, and if they continue to show improvement by the end of the league, by the end of season one, you know they still may be last, but they pick up a couple wins. And the reality of the NFL is the Browns still don't know how to win. So I hope no team in the Overwatch League is the Browns. Uh, but next week we will be going over what happens in week four. We'll be talking about what's going to go down in week five, the top players from week four, and whether or not you should believe in them or you should say that's a little risky. But was there anything else you want to tell the people this week, Abner? Nope. I just appreciate each and every one of you, anybody who's, uh, you know, tuning in for – you know, their second, third, fourth time. We appreciate the support. Definitely come check us out in our Discord, which we'll have a link to in our show notes. You can follow us on Twitter, which we'll talk about here soon. Uh, I'm AbnerdOW on Twitter. Where can everybody find you there, Invictus? You can find me at InvictusOW on Twitter. Uh, you can find both of us at FantasyWatchOW on Twitter. Join us. I've got a link to our Discord in there. We want to talk about fantasy. Uh, we've got a couple people who have joined who are just now getting involved in checking this stuff out. If you're interested, please, please hit me up. I'm going to try to get another league that's going to start at the beginning of Stage 2 um, so that we can have another league based on the new scoring to get some people in because I know there are tons of new people not just listening to our show but people who are experiencing and falling in love with Overwatch and Overwatch League for the first time so if that's you join us I'd like to get you into a league I want you to experience the excitement of watching a game and watching your player go off and knowing that you're scoring points because it's a good feeling Um, but again if you're new listening we're glad you're here if you're coming back dude thanks again and most importantly be excellent to each other always and send us questions if you have them Oh, yeah, dude. Send us questions either on Twitter, Facebook, or on uh, email at fantasywatchodub at gmail.com. Party on, dudes. No worries tonight, just to end up.